Thanks to this week's podcast sponsor, Houston's Aurora Picture Show and their program Powerful Vulnerable, running September 19th to 21st. Featuring a wide range of film and video works by women artists spanning the past 50 years, this program explores vulnerability in the creative process. There will be two screening programs for the event presented Thursday and Friday nights, including rarely seen works by Maya Darren, Barbara Hammer, Carolee Schneeman, Joan Jonas, Sadie Binning, Linda Montano, Pipilati Rist, Akusa Adama Usu, and many more, with guest artists including Jimena Cuevas and Nina Cachadorian in attendance. Finally, on Saturday morning, there will be a free and open story circle gathering for sharing personal stories and creative thoughts. Powerful Vulnerable is a rare and timely opportunity to see an all-star multi-generational survey of women's media works and to consider vulnerability as a creative catalyst. The series is Thursday through Saturday, September 19th to 21st, and takes place at Aurora Picture Show at 2442 Bartlett Street, near Kirby. More information and advance tickets at www.auroraPictureShow.org. Hello and welcome to Glass Tires podcast, Art Dirt, where we discuss topical art topics. I am Christina Reese. And I'm Brandon Zek. And today we're going to cover nonprofits, uh, the function of nonprofits in the art world, uh, the relationship that artists have with nonprofits, the relationship that art lovers have with nonprofits. Now, before you think that this isn't a particularly sexy thing, um, I will say that it is one of the key components of any healthy art ecosystem. And Brandon and I, in previous Art Dirts, recent Art Dirts, have gone over a couple of the other components. We've gone over the media and art criticism and its importance. We've gone over um, galleries and what galleries can do for artists. Artists are part of it. So artists, nonprofits, museums, the media, collectors, and art schools, those are the six things that I see as being crucial to an art scene being a real art scene. And Texas is awash in nonprofits, all different kinds of nonprofits, big and small. Um, some are very directly working with artists. Some are working indirectly for artists. But that is kind of what we're going to get into today. So Glass Tire just happens to be a nonprofit. Uh, our founder, Rainy Knudsen, was um, smart enough and wise enough in the very beginning, 2000, almost 20 years ago, to make Glass Tire a nonprofit from the outset. Now, making something a nonprofit is not necessarily easy. It takes time. It's generally a good idea to get an attorney involved. That's why not everything is a nonprofit. But let's talk about, Brendan, what is your, what is your hot take on the difference between nonprofits and for-profit arts organizations? Well, before I get to the hot take, I have to say I'm happy you said that we're a nonprofit at Glass Tire because I feel like every time I talk about Glass Tire to people and I mention that fact, no one ever fully realizes it. I feel like a lot of people think of publications and they don't think of publications as nonprofits. Um, but the fact that we are a nonprofit, I think it's really kind of beneficial to us and to our community and all of the constituents that we serve because it means that we're kind of in the trenches with everyone else. We know what it's like to have fundraisers and to have to apply for grants and to operate a really diverse program in order to sustain yourself. So we can kind of 
really empathize and sympathize with a lot of the people that we serve and a lot of artists and a lot of arts administrators who use glass tire as a resource. More widely, my my kind of hot take on nonprofits is that nonprofit spaces across Texas, across any art scene really, are really the places that new talent and new and exciting things can present themselves that may or may not be in galleries, but oftentimes aren't because of the financial constraints of galleries. I feel like a lot of times nonprofits have a little more freedom in that regard. People fund nonprofits and organizations and grantors fund nonprofits in order to do new and exciting and interesting things, especially because a lot of nonprofits are commissioning uh, new works by artists and trying to really bring new things to the forefront that haven't been done or thought of before. And while a lot of successful galleries do that also, the galleries kind of have to bank on the ability to sell, whereas the nonprofits can bank on their ability to say that whatever they're doing fulfills their mission and is new and exciting. Uh, so there's kind of a demarcation between the two, the nonprofit and the for-profit that really allows nonprofits, I think, to be the innovators in a way that galleries can't always just because of the financial model. Right, right. What about you? What's what's your hot take? Well, because, because nonprofits have to be so transparent in the way they operate, and let's just say, you know, if we define a nonprofit economically, um, it doesn't put its surplus to, to profit its board members or it's any, any income, uh, that comes into a nonprofit has to, uh, be used toward the ultimate objective of the nonprofit itself. So that's what, it's just not a, not, it's not a for-profit business. Commercial galleries are for, for profit. Now, I think that the, I think that commercial galleries sometimes can be, uh, sort of the vanguard of where we see the newest stuff. Gallerists, um, are not beholden to shareholders or boards of directors. Um, so, a private space could, if they've got the money, uh, do something incredibly bold and daring and not have to answer to anybody. Uh, whereas a nonprofit does have to be accountable for what it does. And when it receives, you know, foundation money or, or grant money, it, you know, it needs to be able to report back, uh, uh, as we've been doing a lot over this summer, and say, here's what we've done with the money that you so generously granted to us. And I do think that because nonprofits tend to be associated with particular social causes or adv uh, advocacy, education, research, that there is almost a built-in factor or goal uh, or even a manifesto of we need to further specific causes. And that, that can lead to a lot of experimentation, a lot of new things, new things that we haven't seen before. And that's a really nice thing. And if, as long as, as a nonprofit doesn't mind asking people for money, and it's a constant, is how do you fundraise? Um, then really kind of the sky is the limit. I think that a city needs both nonprofits and commercial spaces in order to be um, as progressive as they can be. But I think they, I think they complement each other. Yeah. And in this regard, I think we're also kind of defining this conversation. Like a, a lot of people say, well, museums are nonprofits and that's, I think a little less what we're aiming to talk about today, because we all kind of know the basis of museums, but we're kind of talking about somewhere like, I don't know, Lawndale or the Mac or Big Medium or Blue Star Contemporary compared to the San Antonio Museum of Art or the Blanton or 
the Museum of Fine Arts Houston. And Christina, what you're talking about along the terms of galleries being able to do things kind of that nonprofits do in terms of not being accountable to shareholders or board members or just kind of having money to throw around, I feel like that's really, that's very much just like the Chelsea, New York gallery scene of galleries that are basically like art foundations like Hauser and Wirth and Gagosian and all these places that can just do insane shows because people want to buy what they're selling no matter what. Or people mm-hmm. have already bought what they're selling, so then therefore they don't have to worry about selling a show at all. That's right. I mean, so certainly in the last 20 years, some of the most uh, expansive, stunning shows I've ever seen have been in commercial galleries in New York, Los Angeles, uh, England, uh, France, Italy. And they just, they have a lot of money. And so they just go haywire with it. And it's a lot of fun for those of us who love art. Um, but in Texas, you know, we've got the biggest uh, nonprofits as our museums and even our public universities. And then we've got we've got everything from, as you started to name names, but even Solidia's and San Antonio's a nonprofit. Icosa is a nonprofit in Austin. PhotoFest is a nonprofit. And then sometimes we think that a big uh, museum named after a rich family is probably a private institution, but that's not necessarily true. Almost all of our major museums are nonprofits, including something like the Crow Museum. So, but we, when artists start a collective, they can either choose to take it nonprofit or not. 500X, I think, interestingly, I can't find any evidence that 500X, the oldest artist-run co-op and collective in Dallas, I don't think is a nonprofit space. I'm not sure what that's about, but big medium and mass in Austin and all of those are. So, uh, Museum of Human Achievement is a nonprofit. Did you know that? I knew that, yeah. And which is interesting because of their their secretiveness within the Austin community. I mean, to me, it inspires a certain amount of sort of trust. And um, you just kind of feel like because profit isn't the incentive of the space or the agenda of the space, that they must be doing things for the right reasons. We just sort of give nonprofits that benefit of the doubt, Mm -hmm. uh, which is not to say that nonprofits can't be mismanaged or corrupted by from you know from within but um generally speaking i think that when an artist says that they've got a show at a big nonprofit, if it's art league houston or mass gallery or big medium or whatever there's a kind of i don't know uh, a respectability or a, a credibility that goes with that am i what do you think of that I feel like that's correct. I mean, you know, a lot of the times also a commercial gallery show has a certain cadence to it about what the goal of the show is. But then when you have a show at a nonprofit, it's like you had to apply to get it or you had to go through a selection process or you had to go through the artist committee or there's this almost pedigree, I feel like, of fellow artists or of your skill as an artist that's kind of revered along with getting a show to nonprofit or being chosen by the curator if the nonprofit has a curator. And the nonprofits across Texas, I feel like, really kind of are the places that people want to be and the kind of people's goals for showing at least locally or Texas regionally? I feel like over even just since I joined Glass Tire full-time in 2014 and you came on in 2015, I feel like there's been a shift in attitude amongst Texas artists. And I, you know, 
I, I happen to, as anyone who has listened to the Art Dirt about commercial galleries that we recorded recently, they know how much I, I'm very fond of commercial art galleries and the galleries who run them. But I feel like Texas artists have, be, have sort of veered away from this urgency or this need or this desperation to show in a commercial space. They don't seem to be as interested in getting gallery representation as they used to, which is not to say that they aren't pleased and proud if a good gallery approaches them and says, we'd like to represent you or give you a show. But I just don't feel like that's kind of in the weather as much these days. I feel like um, artists are chasing after nonprofit shows more than they're chasing after commercial gallery shows, even though they would possibly make a lot more money if they showed in a commercial space. I almost think that people are are doing that. I agree with that. However, I think it could be, or at least some artists, it's they are doing the nonprofit shows so that they can get the, uh, air quotes, pedigree in order to be able to get a commercial gallery show. Because it's, I almost feel like for a lot of people, this is kind of going back to some of the art dirts we've done in the past about artists and just being out there and talking to people in the world, but it's easier to sit in your studio and write a proposal than it is to have to work up the guts and possibly face rejection of like asking a gallerist if they want to come over for a visit. So yeah. I feel like a lot of times nonprofits are ways of getting yourself out in the world while still kind of being able to control what you're doing because you know if you get a rejection letter for an uh, exhibition from an open call no one knows you got the rejection letter so it's a little bit of maintaining image also whereas if you're putting yourself out in the world in terms of talking to people or asking people it's a lot harder to do something like that and a lot of times unless the gallerist has an intensive focus on you, which only happens if they've seen your work somewhere else, i.e. probably a nonprofit, maybe another gallery, but probably a nonprofit. It's just kind of an easier way to maybe make something like that happen as in the future rather than just asking people. Because also if you show your work out and are really active and then let people come to you, there's kind of not that fear of rejection there because people are coming to you. So there's a built-in kind of inherent interest because people come to you and you don't have to put yourself out there. I feel like I do have to also just say that I'm in no way saying that artists are scared of putting themselves out there. They're amazingly brave because it's what they do every day in their work. Yeah. I'm just talking about generally kind of human nature and how we like to interact with the world. <laughs> yeah, and no, that's absolutely true. Uh, I think that the kind of validation that artists get through nonprofits versus commercial galleries, it's two different sets of people appreciating the work. And both, I think, an artist would want both sets. I mean, when nonprofits, and, and let me just uh, throw this in here, like, I still think that ultimately the, the highest uh, form of uh, compliment of an artist's work is for a museum, a nonprofit, a museum to directly buy an artist's work for their collection. And with nonprofits as well as they operate often very much by committee, there's this sense that you've been chosen by a kind of a larger moving evolving consensus in the community that they want to see your work. Um, And that's one form of validation. Commercial gallery validation is the validation of the gallerists, the dealer who owns the space, obviously, and their collectors. And actually, 
artist can live in two very different worlds. There are artists in Texas who sell a lot of work through whichever gallery they have, and they aren't in the nonprofit shows. There are other uh, artists who show a lot with nonprofits uh, in their own city or all over Texas or elsewhere, but they don't really have a lot of commercial success. I think it's that's an interesting delineation. Uh, I think most artists would probably choose to have both kinds of confirmation happening with them in their work. But some artists, I think, they're really more about money than almost anything else. They're happy with the commercial sales that they get. And some artists would be, I think, very upset if that was their main or only kind of confirmation. Speaking of nonprofits, thanks to this week's podcast sponsor, Houston's Aurora Picture Show, and their upcoming program, Powerful Vulnerable, running September 19th to 21st. Featuring a wide range of film and video works by women artists over the past 50 years, this program explores vulnerability in the creative process. We at Glass Tire are so happy to be a media sponsor of this program because it includes screenings by a number of pioneering artists like Joan Jonas, Carolee Schneeman, Barbara Hammer, along with other artists like Jimena Cuevas, Nina Cachadorian, Pipilati Rist, Ju Young Che, and many more. A few of the artists will be in attendance for the event, and both nights truly do have can't-miss programs. Powerful Vulnerable runs Thursday through Saturday, September 19th to 21st, and takes place at Aurora Picture Show, located at 2442 Bartlett Street, near Kirby. More information and advanced tickets can be found at www.auroraPictureShow.org. I think there's a third scenario that you also somewhat left out, not purposefully, but is the fact that you could get validation through a dealer, but then not through their clients, which is demoralizing in a way. (laughs) Right. Because a dealer, I don't want to make this conversation too much not about nonprofits and about galleries, but because a dealer picks up your work because they think it will work for their clients. So then if you all of a sudden don't sell anything, it's kind of like, you know. (laughs) You know, it's funny because you're right in in most, and I think galleries who do well and who manage to keep their doors open, that's true. They're mostly just going to show work that they hope that they can move, that they they hope that they can convince their collectors it's worth buying. But I do think, and again, (laughs) not to steer the conversation back to galleries, but I have to say this, that dealers or galleries will also just get very excited about something they don't know if they can sell it they bring it into the gallery keep their fingers crossed and hope like hell that they can sell it to their collectors they hope that they can convince their collectors that it's worth buying and it's an experiment and you see galleries going back and forth between their big selling shows that they know are a sure thing and then experimental shows where you know they haven't um they haven't they they're not quite sure if it's gonna if it's gonna fly but uh nonprofits, they again they don't have to take that kind of risk they're not selling the work i've worked for both i've 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 run uh, a a non-profit gallery um, out of a university. We didn't have to sell the work. I have to say that's a very relaxing opening to uh, be in charge of compared to a commercial space. But one thing that artists have to sort of sit with or um, accept is that this huge number of nonprofits tend to also want artists' work as for their fundraisers. What I'm talking about is auction fatigue. Do we want to talk about auction fatigue? We can. I mean, it's a very real part of being a nonprofit and being an artist who's involved in the nonprofit community or not even that, that's actually too restrictive. It's just an important part of 
being an artist. And it's something that Glass Tire does also for our annual fundraiser for the past two years and for this coming year. We have an art auction and we pride ourselves on working with really good artists, but we also pride ourselves on not asking artists yearly, which is how to do it. And also I think uh, for nonprofits, it's balancing, of course, the goal of an art auction is to raise money, but there there has to be some really fair trade-off for an artist and their mm-hmm. work within art auctions. Because an art auction is a perfect example of everyone kind of dealing in their commodity. <laughs> right. Nonprofits being able to show something and show it to collectors, which is a really great opportunity for the artist and also getting money for it, which is nonprofits dealing in their commodity and the knowledge of artists and their work. But then the artist has to give up a piece. And of course, it's kind of like the gallerist artist thing. Nonprofits want a good piece that they can sell so that they can make money so that then maybe also hopefully if there's a split with an artist, the artist can make money. It's kind of the one time that nonprofits get to play gallerist in a way on a much more smaller scale. Yeah, that's true. So on the one hand, I think that artists are rightly flattered when they're asked to donate a work to an art auction for a, a, a you know a re- respectable nonprofit. Uh, but at the same time, if, if the scene is a little bit smaller or a single artist is being asked over and over by many nonprofits for a piece of work, they're just going to have to set their own boundaries. But that is the cost of having nonprofits in your community is that they need to raise money and they need to be supported financially. And while they're applying for grants like crazy and going to family trusts and foundations and trying to get money out of them in order to survive, they're also going to rely to some degree on the artists themselves. Um, and there are a lot of ways to give to nonprofits and to support nonprofits, but uh, that's one of the more visible ways of supporting a nonprofit. And that's one of the ways that artists get get hit up for help. And I mean, one of the other ways is we kind of alluded to it earlier, but serving on artist boards of nonprofits, a lot of the really good spaces um, across Texas will have a board of directors that's kind of responsible for the uh, tenor of the organization, essentially, and the executive director and fundraising and all that jazz. But then they'll have artist boards that may have a financial commitment, but if so, it's really small or don't have a financial commitment. And it is like an artist advisory board for the organization. And if you're an art organization, it's important to have the ear of artists, whether you have a board or if you do that through other means. I know at Glass Tire, part of kind of our community involvement and making sure that we're in tune with everyone is just the fact that we are all on the ground constantly and out in the world talking to people and doing studio visits with artists and just hearing feedback from our constituents. But if you have a a building in the middle of town, that's kind of not how you have to operate. So sometimes you have to bring a select group of artists to you, artists who you really trust. So that's another way that I think the relationship kind of goes both ways. Uh, My my sense is, I was talking to, I'm in Houston right now, and I ran into somebody who is in charge of a national arts organization that I just assumed was a nonprofit. I'm not going to name it. Uh, it's a good one though. And I asked her if they were a nonprofit. I'm always curious about whether an organization is a nonprofit. And she said, no. And I was very surprised and it's a new ish organization, but she said that, and what I didn't ask is whether or not they're in the process of becoming one, but I got the impression that they're not in the process of becoming one. And she's talking about how difficult it is to get nonprofit status or that it's harder to get nonprofit status at this point. Uh, I do think that there are quite a few loops you've got to kind of 
hop through if you want to be a nonprofit. And then you've got to adhere to the bylaws of what it is to run one. But I, I don't know if it's more difficult to become a nonprofit now than it was 20 years ago. I do know that it may be worth your while to find out if an organization is a nonprofit. You'll have a much better idea of how they actually operate. That is my advice for artists. Uh, is there anything else? Have we missed something? Before we end, I want to get your thoughts on something. Okay. When I was thinking about this conversation, I was thinking about all of the nonprofits uh, of course, that we have in Houston, because we have quite a few that are like the, again, talking about like the mid-tier nonprofits like Project Row Houses, Diverse Works, Lawndale, Art League Houston. Um, right. And one thing that's always kind of stuck out to me, and maybe it's just because I'm not from Dallas and I am missing something, but Dallas lacks a number of the mid-tier nonprofits compared to Houston. Like there's the McKinney Avenue Contemporary, the MAC, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but... You know, other than the larger museums and the Dallas Contemporary, am I missing something? Are there others? Is there a reason that you think there might be a gap? Because San Antonio and Austin seem to kind of be comparable to the size of the scene. Like Austin has big medium, women in their work, a few others. Um, San Antonio, of course, has Art Pace and Blue Star, Saladias. Yeah, um... Dallas, um, Dallas is a very, very much a philanthropy driven scene. You're right. However, when I was researching this podcast, almost, you know, every single nonprofit that came to my mind outside of the Mac and, or outside of our bigger museums and art spaces in Dallas, you know, the, the bigger, big name ones. Um, I was having a hard time thinking of, uh, just this, you know, a big group of nonprofits in Dallas. It's just, it's not, it's not necessarily structured that way in Dallas as much as it is in the rest of the state. And I, I was just throwing, you know, I was thinking about dozens of nonprofits in Houston and San Antonio and Austin and having a hard time coming up with them in Dallas. When I looked at 500X, that's when I was having a hard time figuring out whether that, whether or not they were a nonprofit. I don't think that they are. I don't know what to say. You know, every single part of Texas is its own thing. We've talked about this before too. Dallas, Fort Worth is its own culture for sure. In fact, I could just go ahead and say that Dallas in and of itself is its own culture, even apart from Fort Worth. And no, we don't have as many um, artists run spaces or nonprofits as uh, there are in other parts of the state. Hmm. If Now, if I am wrong about that and I'm a long time, you know, DFW native, please correct me. And I'm sure anyone could make a list of a lot of interesting, maybe less obvious nonprofits in any one of these cities. Um, again, we're talking about kind of the ones that would just spring to mind off the top of a person's head who covers art in Texas all of the time. So I think it's an interesting question. and I think it's an interesting uh, observation. With that, I think we're done. That is our Art Dirt podcast for this week. And it is September. Art world is in full swing. And I think uh, both of us are going to be heading out to some openings this evening. And that's our advice for the rest of you, too, is go see some art. Go see some art. <laughs>